Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. And what is up? Welcome in. Happy Monday. This is Gamecock Central Live. That is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. This show is, as always, brought to you by our good buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, NMLS number 71597. Email address is the letter C, Hammond at mortgagenetwork.com. You see on the screen one of Clint's many phone numbers, 803-576-4450 is one way you can get in touch with him. Or just head on over to ClintHammond.com for more information. Uh, Clint, the best mortgage dude I've ever worked with, and also a huge Gamecock fan and a huge supporter of GamecockCentral.com and, of course, of GC Live. Uh, Got plenty to get to here today. Going to start, of course, with the NFL Draft. Three Gamecocks being selected over the weekend. We're going to move it forward to 2023, talk a little bit about the guys that are getting some early buzz. Maybe we'll get to a little baseball talk. South Carolina earning a sweep over Alabama. 
But as always, uh, no shortage, Chris, of things to talk about, man. No doubt. Now, Wes, how many phone numbers do you have? Just one, two? I, I just have the one, man. I, I used to have a Google – I think I had to get a Google Voice number at some point for some reason that yep. I never used. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just have one. Clint, I, I don't even know what all these are. I just am pretty sure if you call them, you will – you'll get Clint at some point. If you, if you call the fax sign, you'll just get that weird noise. Now, yeah. fax machines not used for recruiting anymore, but I, I do think they are still used in, in the, in the mortgage business. So that is why he has one. There's really no excuse for anyone, Wes, if you have a mortgage, anything you need to call Clint or email him. There's a lot of ways to get in touch with him. But other than that, everything's going good, man. Uh, rolling through a lot of things, Gamecock Central, Garnet Trust, and um, excited to talk, dive it back in to the draft waters. Yeah, and we, um, I, I'm seeing every single day we have new players signing on to the Garnet Trust um, Marketplace, which is essentially a way you can support them through their affiliate link, which is uh, honestly the absolute easiest way you could ever support a player through NIL. So if you sign up through Garnet Trust, using the various players' uh, affiliate links. Some of them are, have already posted on their own Twitter. Go to the Garnet Trust Twitter, which is twitter.com slash thegarnettrust or at thegarnettrust. Uh, you can find uh, we're, we're constantly posting the new guys that have done that. And uh, essentially, your uh, when you support the Garnet Trust or join the Garnet Trust, um, they will get a percentage if you use their link, which is really, really cool. Um, NFL draft, Chris, it, it was interesting, man. I, I thought from a, honestly, from a big picture standpoint, not even from a South Carolina standpoint, y'all correct me if I'm if I'm alone in this, but I just didn't feel, maybe it's a personal thing, I didn't feel the buzz for the draft this year that I have in previous years. I enjoy the draft most years. I sit down and watch it, even though it is incredibly, round one is incredibly drawn out. And then you know, you get to day three and they're just popping, you know, it's like pick after pick after pick uh, to the point that you can't even digest it sometimes. But, you know, I feel like there wasn't that like top one or two or three guys that are just elite players that that grab the attention of everyone. Um, but, but even on the South Carolina end, you know, it was a little bit disappointing. Like I, I'm a little bit disappointed for some of the guys, you know, Enig Barre was someone that, I think we all went into last season. There was some buzz. You know, I I thought first round, you know, even back then, was going to be a little bit possibly out of his reach. But you also looked and you were like, well, man, if he if he just takes another huge step forward in production on the field, may, you know, maybe, maybe not. You know, maybe it is within reach. But I, I felt with the way the season went, third round, second or third round was within the realm of possibility. And, and you know, I, I think it was just another sign that, you know, how much teams put into the numbers. And when I say the numbers, I mean uh, the the metrics where you're being, uh, the measurables basically, you know, and I, I think for him, um, you know, that, that should be a decent situation for him, I think. Um, you know, fifth round, 179th overall pick by Green Bay. But, you know, from everything I read prior, it had him like 
round three to five at the latest in the early draft projections leading into this draft. And, you know, he ended up, it was like the last pick of the fifth round. So happy for him that he got picked, but I think there are a lot of people that thought he he might go a, a decent bit higher. Yeah. And, and that was, that was kind of the question going in and you're right. I remember like Inigbari going into this final season, 2021 was, you know, how high can he climb? Or would he slip any? And, you know, what you tended to hear around that time was second or third round. And I do think it's important to make one distinction, Wes. You remember, um, especially after the game that Israel McQuamu had against Georgia where he got the three picks, you remember that some mock drafts even mocked him in the first round at some points. And and this is not a knock on McQuamu at all, what I'm about to say. That was completely unrealistic. It set an unrealistic expectation for the Gamecock fan base, for anybody that followed the NFL, for anybody who knew Israel Kwame. It, it was just not an, an accurate portrayal of things, right? It was kind of going more off the game. So sometimes, oftentimes there's a lot of carryover in between where a guy is going to go. Like a first-rounder, most of the time is a first-rounder. Sometimes they slip, some guy, sometimes guys move up on draft day, but a lot of times those are closely connected. Sometimes there's a disconnect, though, right? Like that McQuambie situation. I think a couple things happened to maybe make Inigbari's stock like slip a little bit. I think some people still had him up in the range that he was preseason in mock drafts, when in reality he was a little bit more third to fifth round range, right? And certainly he slid towards the back half of that, which I think was maybe a little bit surprising. Um, he didn't test off the charts, you know. I don't think anybody expect JJ to go out and like run a four four in his testing or anything like that. But he didn't test off the charts. And then just from a pure like production, like a numbers standpoint, teams fall in love with that stuff sometimes. You know, some teams may look and say, This guy had this many sacks, you know, gotta take him. Um, and then they combine that with the measurables. PFF, Pearson Fowler actually pointed this out in our, our hit today on 107.5 West. PFF consistently loved JJ Nubari. Because what he did on the field kind of went beyond just sacks or stats. Uh, but, yeah, he did did go towards that back half. Maybe a little bit disappointing. But still, I think this is a guy that's going to have a chance to still stick for a long time. Like, almost analogous to DJ Wanham. DJ Wanham didn't go super high in the draft. But he had a really good start to his career with the Vikings, right? Yeah, you know, he did. SC scout guy weighing in said Langston Moore uh, – Said on 107.5, he was viewed as a tweener, and it hurt him. You know, and I, I think it, it just goes to show you, man, the the NFL and sort of the – trying to think of the best way to say this. You are talking about the best of the best of the best if you're going to be a top two-round pick, you know? So – I, I never really once looked at J.J. Enigbare's game for South Carolina and said, oh, that guy lacks the speed to be a defensive end or lacks the athleticism to be a defensive end. Like, that, that was never a thought of mine, watching him play college ball against other college players. But when you're talking about making that jump from, you know, college to the NFL – the standard of what you have to be, the standard of what's considered good enough, 
standard of what's considered great or, or what's considered elite, obviously takes a step up. Just like there are several, you know, we cover high school recruiting, obviously. There are plenty of guys that are going to be faster than pretty much everybody they face on a given Friday night, but then they may have average speed when it comes Saturday time when, when they're playing college ball. So, you know, I, I do think Enigbare plenty athletic enough in his college career. But, you know, I, I think reading what some of the NFL scouts said on him, they saw him more as this heavy-handed, you know, pretty powerful guy, um, ha- had explosive explosiveness in, you know, I, I think his upper body as far as striking guys and stuff like that, holding up at the point. But they didn't see that elite um, jump off the ball, that elite, elite first step that they're looking for to be a first, second, and in this case, probably even third round pick. So then it becomes, and I think this is maybe to Langston's point, then it becomes, all right, are you an edge guy? Are you an inside guy athletically, but are you, you're not big enough right now to be an interior guy? And then, you know, we, we saw JJ, it, it was a hundred years ago, it feels like. JJ played inside his freshman year, remember? And then he, it was, it was a very strange path, right? Like we, you don't see, you see it go the other way. He trimmed up to play on the edge. So I, I think, um, you know, but if you add, you're talking about to be an interior guy in the NFL, man, you add another 40, 50 pounds on his frame, then are you able to stay as athletic as you are out there? So I do think, Chris, it's kind of one of those things. There are these standards that are set in the NFL for size and athleticism. He's, you know, to, to me, they're going to have a, they're going to have a choice. Is he going to ultimately be like that, that five technique guy, but that's not going to be necessarily an elite pass rusher, or does he ultimately try to go the reverse, go back towards where he was before and be like a three technique type defensive uh, lineman? Yeah, and, and I, I just feel like his future is still in the NFL, probably still out there on that edge. It just seems more natural for him. I think he's a guy that one thing you saw last season consistently was just the effort, you know, running sideline to sideline, chasing down ball carriers. Like, he, he can do those things. I think that, in my opinion, is a more natural fit for him. But you, you do see, look, at the NFL level, you, you look at first-round picks and high high draft pick guys, a lot of times there is a ton of production there. But at the at that level, you do have to go for traits. And that's why sometimes you see teams take guys with traits and maybe the production's not quite there and it either fails miserably or it really hits. Like to think of a couple extreme quarterback examples, like you think about Josh Allen, right? And remember everybody came out. Josh Allen could probably literally throw the football over those mountains like Uncle Rico. But everybody's like, oh, what about his completion percentage? And and Making good points, right? Well, Josh Allen, he's developed pretty well. Then you think about Jamarcus Russell, who could also throw the football a mile. Did not work out so well. Two guys with traits, they went different different paths. Um, even this year, I mean, you made a great point to open the show. There wasn't that number one. This guy's going to be the number one pick, like Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. You know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one draft pick. There was no drama. There was no who's it going to be. You know, we we kind of had a good idea that it'd be Trayvon Walker, but it wasn't locked in. 
And some people are like, Trayvon Walker is the number one pick, like great player, great prospect. But, you know, you, you could have picked eight guys off that Georgia defense as the best player. He might not have even made the top five in some cases, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, but he's a guy that not only had production, but had certain traits, you know, that you're looking for. And by the way, Wes, you remember Trayvon Walker. I mean, I remember visiting with him at his school. South Carolina was – they're close on that one. Cousins with DJ and Dylan Wanham, close. But try, tried, but Georgia Georgia got him, and uh, now the number one pick, which is pretty crazy. Yep, he was uh, – I just went back. He was the number 20 – he ended up as the number 23 overall prospect in that class. Um, but, dude, I, I saw one thing that said uh, – and I wish I could credit it, but I don't remember where I read this – essentially like the top I think it was top eight guys from last year's class um probably would have gone number one in this year's class like there there were it was that top heavy last year compared to this year uh you know so obviously you know like you said Trevor Lawrence came out this year Trevor Lawrence would have been the easy number one this year but there just there was not that guy but I, I think what this said was that you can go on down the line for most of the top 10 last year would have had a very strong chance, obviously depending on needs and all that stuff to go first overall this year. Um, But we, we won't talk, we won't go on and on anymore about that. I do want to hit real quickly on the other two guys that got drafted for South Carolina, Kevin Harris, number 183 to the Patriots. This is an intriguing pick, Chris. Because we have seen, obviously, over the years, the Patriots have gotten that reputation of maximizing what they do with the guys that they select lower in the draft. And, you know, you just, you got to think, Kevin's one of those guys, you all, you've sort of looked at him and said, all right, if he finds a good spot, if he, if he gets drafted by the right team, um, he, he could stick in this league. And... Frankly, you know, I don't I don't watch the NFL near like I do college ball. I don't know as much about their running back situation as I should, but on the surface, this this could be the best fit pick, I think, of the three, even though it's a little bit, you know, down the line there. I uh, I think um it'll be it'll be intriguing to see how much of a chance Kevin gets because I, I do think um he, he could fit what they like to do on offense. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier, that exact point. Um, just, it, it, you know, no matter really the the staff, which has had some changes in New England, certainly since 10 years ago, five years ago, um, you know, they do seem to maximize what they have offensively. And even at running back, they have had some guys that either maybe weren't household names or even kind of like resurrected their careers in some ways. Um, in New England, I mean, you think about remember Corey Dillon and like Kevin Falk. I mean, um, they've done well on that front, and so um, I'm very interested to see that one too. Ke- Kevin Harris to me was maybe one of the bigger like enigmas in the draft when it comes to South Carolina because it's kind of hard to figure out, you know, what his career is going to look like. To me, it, it really wouldn't surprise me either way, um, and he certainly had some really good uh he had a good run at South Carolina you know you look at his 2020 season it was outstanding last year missed the opener coming back from injury wasn't fully healthy all the time till later 
and then even then put some good stuff on tape. So really, really interesting fit there in New England and, and could have an opportunity to get in the mix there pretty early. Yeah, so that'll be fun to watch. And then, of course, uh, Nick Muse uh, sneaking in there, seventh round, seventh round to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, did you see the video of his celebration, Chris? Um, yeah, on brand. Yeah, the uh, was that a gainer? I guess is a running backflip. I think into like, the pool. Yeah, that's a gainer, right? Running back. Well, I thought a gainer was when you're just standing stationary, but I maybe I don't know. You might you might be right. Running. Yeah, but he had, you know, the backflip with kind of a little bit of a, not a twist, but kind of went sideways Yeah, with the socks. So uh, the whole thing just completely on brand for, for Nick Muse. Entirely on brand. He needed an NIL deal for for whatever pool um, company had put in that pool, I, I think, to to cap that off. But uh, good for Nick, man. I, I, I didn't know if he was going to be a guy that was, that was drafted. I, I think it was going to be. I thought it was going to be borderline. Obviously, I think we all knew he was going to get a chance, uh, but it might was going to be, you know, undrafted free agent type thing. And, uh, of course, he ends up getting drafted a uh, seventh round. We'll see if he can stick with the Vikings. Jabari Ellis, uh, undrafted free agent to the New York Giants. And then Zaquandre White, undrafted free agent to the Dolphins. Was certainly hoping that Z White was going to get an opportunity and get drafted. Um, but he'll have to uh, try to make his way with the Dolphins. Let, let's move it forward, man. Let's let's go ahead and let's talk a bit about 2023 because, you know, Travis here says any bets on number one for next year. And, you know, I, I think right now, uh, you know, the, the thing I read today, the way too early mock draft from PFF, I think they have Bryce Young going number one. But the – Thing, Chris, to to kind of the, the thing that grabbed my attention is the way I should say it. There are a bunch of draft eligible guys for South Carolina next year, and you know how it is when it's this early. You can like you can you can make yourself look pretty dumb if you start making some predictions and like things go completely the wrong way. You know, as, as far as what you're thinking, it's going to go, but also. There will be guys that kind of are way deeper in this conversation at times that just steadily, you know, move up the draft boards. And, you know, I think for me, man, it also, from a team standpoint, expectation standpoint, it just sort of drove home the point how important this 2022 season is for South Carolina to take advantage of having a Spencer Rattler on your campus to take advantage of having, you know, a Jaheim bell, obviously they're recruiting to try to long-term build this thing, but there's going to, there's a lot of talent that is draft eligible for South Carolina after this season, man. Yeah. I mean, you even just start. And I think, you know, this year being so important, you're probably thinking even more offensively, right? Wes. So, I mean, you've got, Josh Van, who came back, you've obviously got Spencer Rattler. Um, even look like to the offensive line, right? I might might have a couple guys there. Um, certainly, Austin Stogner will be, you know, a draft eligible guy. Um, and there are others. I mean, Antoine Wells will be draft eligible. You know, like what if he has a big? Will he look around? You know, so there are several. I think there are certainly some of the top guys offensively and defensively, but. 
you could always have a guy that isn't a senior that maybe doesn't have quite the year you would think, and he kind of takes a step back. Or you could have a guy have a really big year that has his stock kind of take off, and then there's a decision to be made. But they do have a lot of guys, and I think you, you hit on this the other day just talking about O-line recruiting, take the draft out of it, but there are a lot of older guys on that offensive line. When everybody comes back pretty much, that means you've got an older team. And so then you, you've got to start recruiting to that. So one way or another, South Carolina is losing, you know, some guys off, off of this team that's, that's pretty darn experienced. Some of them are going to have a chance. Yeah, and, and even – here's the thing, man. Even, even the guys that aren't necessarily – your projected uh, high draft picks or, or your draft picks at all, but have been very solid college players, um, you know, are, are going to be out of eligibility after this year. So it, it just drives on the point that, you know, they, they've got to sort of take advantage while, while these guys are here. I mean, uh, you know, you, you go to shoes scholarship breakdown, which is an outstanding resource on Gamecock central and just search through the seniors and juniors on this list. And, you know, it is contributor after contributor, um, you know, on the defensive side, man, as well, not even kind of going, not even thinking about this from an NFL draft standpoint necessarily, but Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson are probably your two starting linebackers, and they are truly out of eligibility, um, I I think, <laughs> after this year. Um, R.J. Roderick, Devonnie Reed are, are seniors. Um, Jordan Strong is a senior. MJ Webb is a senior. Um, you know, you look, uh, you got to imagine this is Zach Pickens last year. And then the guy on defense that is getting the most love right now, the most early love, is Cam Smith, who PFF's way too early 2023 mock draft, they have him going 12th. So I, I think we're starting, you know, we're starting to see the media hype sort of um, focus in on Cam. I personally think he's got to he's got to make a he's got to have an outstanding year um, to be twelfth. I mean, twelfth is way up there. But um, you look at some of the advanced metrics for Cam last year, as far as not giving up, you know, receptions. He was extremely good, um, very highly graded by PFF, and. We're going to see him show off more versatility this year when I think he's going to play a good bit of nickel for South Carolina as well, which is a, a spot I could see him having a role playing in the NFL too. So I, uh, you know, t- right now the two guys PFF is mentioning are Cam and Jaheim Bell as the two uh, surefire high picks for next year. And then, of course, you've, you've got Spencer Rattler as well, man. Yeah, and, you know, didn't even mention Jaheim earlier because he'll be, you know, junior, but I, I think – like you could almost carry like the expectation that this is Jaheim's last year in Columbia. Could that change? It could, but everybody should probably be operating under that, um, under that kind of thought process. Um, Cam is one of those guys, you know, talking about traits and production earlier, like he is kind of the merger of those because you've got, you don't look at Cam and say, you know, he's a productive player and a good player, but Maybe he doesn't have this. He's not like the biggest built guy, but he's long. He's got good height. He's long. He's going to test well. He may not test. He's he may not go run like four or three like some of these guys now, but he'll test well. 
Um, he's physical and he'll have some production and some good tape even going into this year. And if he has the year that we expect even more so to where he's going to have a chance to work his way up, you know, then you, then you get into a lot of the other stuff, right? You get into medicals, you get into the interviews with the teams and how you present yourself, all those types of things. But he's a guy that his stock has kind of been on the rise because he has shown some production. People are looking at him to take that next step. And he also has those traits. SC scout guy pointing out uh, Darius Rush is a fifth-year senior. Um, that is correct. I think te- he's one of the guys technically would have one more year if he wanted it, but um, I'm glad you brought him up because he is and has been. I think I've already mentioned this on the show. Darius Rush is my guy right now who I think is getting the least amount of media buzz that uh, will see the biggest jump when – the media really starts to die. You know, there's always that guy or two at the end of a season, once it starts getting into off season and then attention turns to the actual draft, there will be guys. It's sort of the opposite of what you were talking about earlier, Chris, where maybe there's a guy who's gotten some hype, but everybody locally is kind of like, eh, that guy, once they dive in, that guy's probably not going to be a first round pick, you know, or a second round pick. Darius is, in my opinion, the guy who is not getting quite the hype right now, but I think when teams really start to dive in, and I'm sure they already have to an extent, I think when they're looking at Cam, which they rightfully so should be, there will be teams that look across there and say, all right, who is this tall, super athletic dude making plays on the other side? I I thought Darius quietly – uh, and the numbers back it up, quietly had a really good season last year. Well, you take that production like we were just talking about and, and throw in the the height-athleticism combination. And, you know, I, I think all credit to Darius for sticking it out, getting comfortable playing corner, uh, building his confidence, uh, building sort of his, his toolbox as far as what he's able to do at corner. Um I really, I, I just, I think we're going to be talking about this guy. I think NFL scouts going to be talking about this guy next season. Yeah, I can see that. And Wes, an example of me wanting to make everybody into a DB, right? Pay enough a little bit, but, but no, seriously, like he, he was an athlete. You remember seeing him uh, in camp during the recruiting process in South Carolina initially took him as a wide receiver and there's was some upside there for sure. But just with his, with those traits you mentioned, right? Like the length, you just felt like maybe from an athletic standpoint and a skill set standpoint, I was always really intrigued by him at defensive back, um, whether it be safety or corner. So ultimately he settled into corner and he's really developed quite nicely. And I think showed some things last season. You think about the play, you know, at North Carolina, for instance, where he laid out for that ball and knocked it away. Um, he, he's made some plays, great technique. I mean, uh, East Carolina game, perfect technique, had an interception in that game. So really, really interesting player and just a, another guy. I mean, the, the more we talk about it, Wes, not all these guys we mentioned are like going to be drafted, right? But a lot of these guys we mentioned are going to have a chance, you know, to maybe they're like a, a Nick Hughes, Jalen Foster, like they're on that on that border of maybe they get drafted, maybe they don't, but they're all going to have an opportunity. And I think there's a bunch of those for, for next year. Yeah. I mean, depending on which side of the line they end up falling, like the guys that are going to be borderline. I mean, 
you it's way too early to say this, but I'll say it anyway. You're probably going to see South Carolina have the most guys they've had drafted if it falls the right way for them. I would say in a long time. I remember what was there seven guys that were drafted. Um, that's the biggest number I can remember in recent memory, and I can't. I'm I'm not even going to try to pull what year that was. I just remember that number seven guys being drafted. Um, you know, and they they may not be all you know top two round guys, but uh, you know sixth seventh round that still counts. So I, I think um, you know Josh Van obviously is trying is has come back to try and improve his stock. Um, you know, Devonnie Reed is playing SEC ball to try and show he can play it at this level. You know, we'll see what Zach Pickens does this year. Where does he what, – what do NFL teams think of him? Um, Jordan Strong. I, I mean, you can go on and on. You know, Dylan Wanham is a guy that when South Carolina signed him and he played as a true freshman, you would have had him probably pretty easy as a, a future NFL-type guy. So what type of season does he have? Uh, I mean um, – it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see. It's going to be interesting to see where these guys fall after this year because you always see that that step up in. Um, I mean, this this is for a lot of these guys contract year. You know, it's your your final opportunity to, to go show it. Somebody asked, uh, let's see, who was it? Greg, uh, did Jalen Foster end up getting picked up anywhere? Any word? As of right now, two thirty three on Monday afternoon. The answer, as far as what's out there and what's being reported, Chris, still no, right? Like that's, uh, I think we, I think we knew, you know, might not get drafted, but me personally, I'll just speak for myself. I thought as productive as he was that he was going to get a shot somewhere as an undrafted free agent. I imagine he still will, but a little bit surprised it's taking this long, although I don't know the ins and outs of why that is. Yeah, and sometimes you have – or not sometimes. There, there is another layer beyond, you know, you always think about draft, and then there's always a very, very quick succession of undrafted free agent signings. But then you have another phase where you have, like, the tryout phase, right? And then once you have that, you will see some teams sign another round of free agents. So there's always a crop that fall into that, and that may be where Jalen Foster, you know, ultimately falls. I, I don't have – any inside info as to like what's going on, or I'm sure there's been conversations with teams. Um, so at this stage, it can also be about finding the right fit, you know, for Jalen Foster, he might be juggling some, some different offers and things of that nature. So um, that that's a route that could be taken. You know, Parker White West is another one that have to see, maybe he's in that, in that tryout realm. Um, Jabari Ellis, of course, got, got an undrafted free agent deal with the giants. So that was awesome. So, yeah, we'll just kind of wait and see. It is interesting that Foster nor White have been picked up yet, but I would anticipate they'll have an opportunity to get in front of some teams at some point. Yeah, and certainly wish them well um, and hope that that happens. Always was um, – always like Jalen, man. Just seemed like such a just good dude, good individual, worked for everything he got. Uh, his story was amazing. And then obviously Parker White, man, uh, one of the most – successful clutch kickers in South Carolina football history. So we, uh, we certainly wish those guys extremely well. Um, Chris, how about Gamecock baseball? Uh, first sweep of the season, as far as SEC ball goes, beating Alabama three times. Um, they've given themselves a chance. Still, still not where they want to be. Still in there. 
Probably still a lot of fans that are very frustrated. I, I get it. Rightfully so. No one's saying you shouldn't be, honestly. Rightfully so. But great article from Colin Taylor. It's a free article if you want to go read it. Um, titled Analyzing the Path Forward for South Carolina Baseball. Talking about um, just how important the next few series are. And Mark Kingston has dubbed these as being pennant games for South Carolina. Historically, if you look, the the 15 and 15 mark in SEC play has been, especially in today's SEC, if you get to 15 and 15, regular season ball, you are going to the tournament, period. Now, in recent years, it does seem like we've seen an uptick in 14 and 16s getting in. We've even seen 13 and 17s getting in at times. You never want to put yourself in that position. But Carolina does have a resume that features some really nice series wins, which is far different than a couple of those years where they had a little bit better SEC record but didn't really have the marquee series win. So um, point being, you you can't just lose out. You can't lose these last two series and expect to get in. But at um, at nine and twelve, getting the sweep. Anytime you get a sweep or anytime you get swept, that three game turn is massive in the standings most times. So credit to them. Say what you want. Complain if you want. That's your right, and uh, hard to deny it. But they have not quit yet. No doubt, haven't quit, and. You know, you, you go back and you, you kind of have a lot of uh, what if with this team. You know, even if you can just avoid an Auburn sweep from the past weekend, which you were in position to win not just one of those games, but just if you win one. You think about Tennessee. Tennessee's pretty unreal this year, right? Can you take one of those? Can you not get swept by Clemson? Even Even can you not drop one of these midweeks? that you have every now and then. Now, the conference schedule, Wes, is going to get really, you know, that that's going to be the one that really tells the story here, right? And they've got some notches in their belt, you know, with some of the teams that they've been able to beat. Even Alabama, you know, quality is a quality series win. Then you look at certainly the Vanderbilt series, some of the other series that they've had. Uh, but they definitely they put themselves into position where they could squeak in, but it's going to be very, very difficult Still, to get there because your your margin is just I mean, absolutely just razor thin, right? It's just it's very close. I was looking. I think this was before the weekend, Wes. Baseball America had South Carolina out of the tournament, and they were not even in the lap, You know, the first four out, next four out. I know previously some one service had them as like the last four out, right? So after they got swept by Auburn. According to Baseball America, I think they were out totally. Mm-hmm. New directions after the weekend, I don't think, have come out. So it'll be interesting to see where they are. There's no doubt they'll be on the bubble one way or another. So, Yeah, SC Scott guy said, Kingston said during the postgame press conference, the SEC has never had a team left out that reached 13 conference wins. Um, he had to have been talking about the SEC tournament, I would guess, because – that can't. I mean, that's not right on, 
on the big boy tournament, on the NCAA tournament, because that would put you at 13 and 17. And mo- most of the time, I, I mean, I've seen the percentages. Um, most of the time, 13 and 17 does not get you in. These days, as deep as the SEC has become, 14 and 16 can get you in, depending on what your, your resume looks like in 15 and 15. In today's SEC, will just almost surely 100% get you in. So we'll see. Uh, Colin, again, has a, has a great breakdown of everything. Uh, let's see. I, I know y'all might want to know the schedule. Um, the midweeks are North Carolina A&T, USC Upstate, and Charlotte. The best team out of those three is actually by far Charlotte at 79th in – Probably the RPI, I believe, is what Colin was using. And then South Carolina has, let's see, the final SEC series are against A&M in Florida on the road and against Kentucky at home. Um, unfortunately for the Gamecocks, A&M is playing some really good ball right now. Um, fortunately for the Gamecocks, Chris, Florida has not been Florida at all this year compared to what they they usually are, at least in the standings, man. Yeah, so uh, opportunity knocks, it's there. Um, and we've certainly seen South Carolina beat teams that they're capable of beating, even with some of the depth and pitching issues that they've had. And we've certainly seen them lose to some of those same teams or even lose to teams that you go back and kind of scratch your head and say, you know, how did that happen? Um, you know, this team, obviously, the, the pitching situation in terms of injuries has been well-documented, talked about that plenty. Um, but the hitting situation, um, despite not being perfect there, they've shown some flashes of being able to really put that together, and I think that's going to be key. You know, they're going to have to get great production going forward from their starters because of that lack of, of bullpen or just overall pitching depth, but the hitting, I think, is really what's going to be key. They're going to have to turn it on. They're going to have to have their most consistent performances going forward because they're going to have to put some runs on the board to be able to beat these teams down the stretch, but the opportunity's there. It's not like you're playing, you know, the two best teams in the conference in terms of series. So you got, you got a chance here. Uh, our buddy Travis Edwards asking about um, where the games are played, uh, specifically the A&T game. All the remaining midweeks are at home, including A&T. As far as SEC goes, South Carolina has a at A&M this coming weekend. Kentucky at home the weekend after. That would be starting May 13th. And then May 19th, Thursday, Friday, Saturday series at Florida with the SEC tournament starting on Tuesday, May the 24th, of course, in Hoover, Alabama. Uh, Before we get out of here, I want to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax. Uh, They can help you overcome your tax ID, 803-462-5576. And, of course, the 2022 tax deadline has passed, but the tax team at Liberty Tax can still help you cure your tax ID. You need to file an extension. They have locations open Monday through Friday. If you own a small business and need advice, they can help you with bookkeeping and payroll services for LLCs, S-Corps, and C-Corps. And if, unfortunately, you owe some money to the IRS, you can meet with a local professional to represent you in settling your debt, as opposed to using one of those late-night 800 numbers where you talk to um, someone that is not local. So give them a shout. Again, that is uh, our good friends at the tax team at Liberty Tax right here in the Columbia area, 803-462-5576. Chris, what did we miss? Anything? Well, uh, uh, we missed this. SC Scout guy, 
Let's have your comment on Will Sanders' pants. Now, these were termed by our friend Alyssa Lang, Gamecock Central alum, shout out. Borts. Do we do we have a Wes? Can you effort in your production capabilities a photo of these? Working on it. Okay. Will Sanders, and this has gotten a lot of traction on social media and on the Insiders Forum on Gamecock Central. He had some very interesting pants or shorts, whatever. I don't know what they were. But Alyssa Lang from the SEC Network called them boards. They were either uh, phenomenal or horrifying, depending on your, you know, your definition or how you view it. I'd be curious to see what SC Scout guy thinks of Will Sanders' pants, or just or just drop your comp, drop your uh, your take on the comment line. I don't know, Wes, if he thought that they were. I don't know if that was like you know how baseball players will do just silly stuff sometimes. I'm not sure if that was like a silly thing for Will Sanders or if he was serious. And I'm I, hopefully he's not listening and is offended by this, but the boards are pretty. Pretty fantastic there. Uh, well, we we may I don't know, Chris. We may be able to ask him in a uh, yeah. Like, can we, can we make that happen? Can we maybe well ask him in a, a Garnet Trust uh, exclusive? I'm pretty sure because uh, now I'll have to see. I have not been able to watch it. I did get an advance. Didn't get my advance preview yet. I do have the link. Colin Taylor did complete the next interview in our Garnet Trust series with Will Sanders. And I would think with Colin Wes, with his question style, the things he likes to hit on that are a little off topic, I would think he hit on the boards, but I'm not sure. There you see him right there on your screen. Um, I don't know, man. I, yeah. I feel like I, I, I don't, I don't want to speak for, for Will Sanders. I've never met Will Sanders. I've never talked to Will Sanders. But I'm I'm guessing, and if this is the case, I'm all for it. I'm guessing this was one of those like silly things. Like, like let let's let's keep things light. Let's keep things loose. And let's go win. Let's go sweep a series. Maybe it's a yeah, day. I mean, I, the the last three comments, people are like, he can wear whatever. If he pitches like that, we're good. Yeah, may, maybe it's a dare. Maybe maybe they're like, you. I bet you won't do that. And he's like, watch me. I'm Will yeah. Sanders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Will Sanders. I'm going to wear boards. We'll um, see if he rocks them in the next game. I feel like he has to now. You have to, like, double down on it. Well, and and the uh, you've also got the, you know, the aspect of being superstitious in baseball. You can't change the boards now. You just won. The re- the real question: Does does somebody else rock them? Maybe everybody on the team starts rocking the boards. It could really take off and be a thing. Yeah, Let's that's going to really upset some of you old school folks. Um, Disrespect is that? Oh, is that an unwritten rule that you can't wear boards? Well, the un- the unwritten rules in baseball. They just get made up sometimes. Like you just make them up. Peter says it was pretty hot out there Saturday. But did, all right, so Sanders started the year with the high, the high pants, high socks look. And he had scraggly hair. Then he did not pitch well. Well, didn't pitch well for his standard. I don't like he always pitches right. pretty well. Pitch well still, yeah. 
Then he showed up next game, I feel like, with a shape, like a cut, like com- like he went completely opposite direction, cut his hair a bunch, and had the long pants. And now he's going all in on the the highest pants ever. So highest pants ever. Uh, and I actually got <laughs> I got a confirmation while this is the work that we do, Wes and I. Wes pulls up the picture. I get an answer from Colin live during the show. I said, Did you ask about the boards? And he did. Now I will save. I, I feel like the answer will probably be a little bit maybe even disappointing to some people as for the reason for the boards. But it will be in the latest Will Sanders Garnet Trust interview, which for the public will be up, I think, Tuesday, some point tomorrow. That will be up. And so you can hear about the Borts and other Will Sanders things during that interview on GamecockCentral.com. Did you get the answer already? I have the answer. I have a version of the answer. I'll share it with you. Okay. Well, and again, the, the Garnet Trust interviews are free, so yep. we're we're not holding out on you. Yep. Be on the lookout, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central is where it'll be housed. Um, and if you're if you're a Garnet Trust um, supporter moving forward, you're going to start to see maybe some interviews before the uh, or early uh, access, no which doubt. Is pretty cool. Um, go to GarnetTrust.com, check it out. We've got a lot of exciting things going on. I appreciate our buddy Clint, Clint Hammond, for supporting this show, the Mortgage Network, and the fine folks with Liberty Tax and their tax team right here in the Columbia area. I think I'm done, man. I think I have nothing else to say, Chris. We spent about 10 minutes on boards. So we that, should. That goes to show you that it's time for us to log off. Yep. Uh, for Chris, I'm Wes. Appreciate all the support. Appreciate everybody watching, listening, clicking. We'll see you very soon. Uh, y'all have a good one. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset, or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 